Welcome to Reading Together, as we are continuing our discussion of The Mortification of Sin by John Owen. And today we are discussing chapter 6. Now, so as we noted last week, uh, chapters 5 and 6 are tied together, as in them Owen is defining for us what exactly mortification means, right? So this is the core of the book, right? And on the previous chapter, he dismantled a few of the false notions and imitations of mortification, right? So he touched on what, what, what mortification is not, the negative aspect, right? And now he moves into what mortification is, the positive aspect. And so what is mortification? He lays out the answer in three points. It is the habitual weakening of sin. It is the constant fighting and contending against sin. And finally, it, had, it consists of success, against sin, right? So those are the three big points that he's going to give to us. This first point, that it is the habitual weakening of sin. That's uh, the, the one that he spends the most time on. And he, uh, he, he calls, he says this, that, 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 that mortification is the habitual weakening of sin because every lust is a depraved habit or disposition, continually, continually inclining the heart to evil, right? And that may sound a little strange, but but if we if we really think about it, then uh, what is a habit? Habit is um, is just in, in in ingrained practices, right? That we don't really have to think about anymore, right? We do them so often that they become habitual, that they be that they become routine to us, right? Um, and uh, James K. A. Smith um, wrote a book called uh, "You Are What You Love," and it's a it's a it's a really really well written book, and he. Um, and he talks about in that book that uh, that two of the words that we use a lot, virtue and vice, that that's exactly what they mean. That a virtue is is a is a is a morally good habit, right? Whereas vice is a morally bad habit or a sinful habit, right? Um, and so when we and so when we cultivate virtues, when we practice the spiritual disciplines, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create is we're trying to 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 to, to cut these paths out um, in our in, in, in our lives and in our character um, to where we habitually practice um, what God has commanded us to do, right? Um, and vice is the exact opposite. Vice is, 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 is sin becomes so ingrained in us that we don't even think about our sin anymore, right? It just becomes a habit and a disposition for us, right? And Owen, knowing this and and, uh, and and knowing that sin uh, that, that sin naturally um, is that for us, right? That it that, that that sin naturally wants to lurk in the background and wants to and wants to get so ingrained in us that we don't even think about it anymore. Uh, he poignantly notes that the only reason that an unmortified man, so one who someone who doesn't even think about killing the sin in their life, that he does not perpetually give himself over to one particular sin, <clears throat> is because he serves many hungry masters. Now, by many hungry masters, he means that sins. There's lots of sins that call for a portion of his time, right? And so that's why we look at people that are not actively trying to kill their sin. And we may say that, they, well, they don't, they don't look like they're being eaten up by sin, right? But they have so many sins that are calling for their attention, right? And it's only people that are um, maybe plagued by a, a, a sin like addiction that does indeed consume all of their all of their, uh, their their waking moments, right, and absolutely wrecks their lives that we really see someone that, you know, that we would brand with the label of the sinner, right? 
Um, but in reality, the default human condition is to be consumed by sin. It's just for most people that won't people won't naturally look consumed by sin on the outside because there's so many little sins that eat up and infect a person that the, that, that 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 a lot of those sins aren't incredibly noticeable. And Owen, but Owen does make a, a point on page 62 that is worth noting that he says that the virtues of God, like the, the graces that God uh, calls us to, right, that, they, uh, that, that they're kind and gentle to us. But sin is always violent and impetuous, right? Um, so it, it, it is always going to lead to that violence, right? It's, gonna, it's, all, it's, it's always going to try to destroy us. But nevertheless, um, he does make a, an important digression for us. He says, the same sin may have different strength in different people, right? And that's really important to know, you know, because, for example, driving by a casino may hardly be noticed by one person, while another person can scarcely resist stopping to gamble for a while, right? Same same sin, the same sin of gambling, right? But one person doesn't even feel uh, the draw of gambling at all, right? Barely notices that that building is there. Well, another person can't can't not notice the building, right? And has to go into the building, has to gamble, right? And Owen says it is because lust gets strength by temptation. He says when a suitable temptation falls in with the lust, it gives a new life, vigor, power, violence, and rage. And so kind of similar to what he talked about last week with some people have different, uh, just have different kinds of personalities, right? And so don't think that just because you have a calm, tranquil personality that you are mortifying your sin, right? The person that has a, a, a loud, boisterous, passionate personality, right? Um, that, that, and therefore they wrestle with loud, boisterous, passionate sins may actually be mortifying sin more than the person who has a naturally calm disposition, right? Well, in the, in the same way, all sin wants to be violent. All sin is, 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 is leading us to death, right? Um, but all sin is going to work differently in different people, right? It's going to consume people in different ways, and there's going to be different sins. And so just because we don't see, uh, just because we see you know, someone who, who looks like they have, uh, like they, like they don't wrestle with sin just because we ourselves don't feel like we wrestle with sin. Um, we should, uh, we should search our hearts. We should pray for the Holy spirit to use the scripture, um, like a scalpel to inspect our hearts, um, and to show us where the sin is, where, what sin is lying in wait, because we all have sin that we need to be more, that, that needs to be mortified, that needs to be killed. Um, and many times it's those smaller, hidden, um, more uh, more societally appropriate sins, right? Um, that are that are in in many ways um, more damning because of how subtle they are, because of how easily ignored they are, right? And so, um, and con- continuing on to that point, um, <laughs> Owen notes that some sins are for far more sensible, that is sensed and discernible. Than, their violent, than the violent actings than others. So he uses uh, fornication as an example of one such sin, or we could look at uh, the Ten Commandments, and we might note that covenant, covenant 
is uh, no less a sin than theft. And yet theft is naturally going to be more discernible uh, than someone who is coveting over something else. But because of these less noticeable sins, Owen says, some men may go in their own thoughts and in their own eyes of the world for mortified men, even though he is just as thoroughly controlled by a sin as someone with more evident vices. So let us be warned. But Owen ends this point um, by discussing how this, this, how indeed, uh, what, what this habitual weakening of sin should look like. Um, and he goes to the imagery of crucifixion coming from uh, script, deriving this, this, this imagery from scriptures like Galatians 5.24 and 2 Corinthians 4.16. Um, and I'm just going to read this little paragraph um, that he has on page 62 because I think it's uh, um, one of the most gripping points of the whole chapter that he makes. So he says this, As a man nailed to the cross first struggles and strives and cries out with great strength and might, but as his blood and spirits waste, his strivings are but faint and seldom, his cries low and hoarse, scarce to be heard. So when a man first sets on a lust or distemper, to deal with it. It struggles with a, vi- with a great violence to break loose. It cries with earnestness and impatience to be satisfied and relieved. But when by mortification the blood and spirits of it are let out, it moves seldom, faintly, cries sparingly, and, it's, and is scarce heard in the heart. It may have sometimes a dying pang, but that makes an appearance of great vigor and strength. But it is quickly over, especially if it be kept from considerable success. Man, isn't that great? <laughs> so um, the, the the brutal picture of someone dying on the cross, right? And how they, they struggle and strive right at the beginning, um, but as the blood is let from their body, um, as they as they go on, as they get nearer to the point of dying, right? Um, they gradually become let lose their strength, right? Become uh, less and less. Um, effective. And that's the same way it should be with our sins, right? Um, when we first begin to kill a sin, a particular sin in our lives, particularly, especially if it's a sin that has a stranglehold, that's exactly what's going to happen. There's going to be a great violence right at the beginning, right? Um, but the more we press on, the more we mortify it, the more we, we habitually weaken it. That's exactly what happens is, is the blood and the spirits get let out and it gradually becomes weaker and weaker and there may still be that dying pang right um if you ever uh if you ever uh, killed a snake you know what dying pangs look like right as it as the, the the body convulses right um and so that may happen but it will be over quick right and so that's what we should be striving for that's what that's the first point of what mortification is second he notes Mortification is the constant fighting and contending against sin. So mortification is a constant battle, a daily battle. And here he gives three subpoints for how to constantly war against our sin. First, he says we must realize that sin is our enemy and that our eternity is at stake, right? So first, if you want to fight, if you want to know that you're in a fight, um, is that we have to understand that, that there is this enemy out there, that there is 
something that wants to kill us, something that, uh, that, 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 that wants nothing less than our death. And we have to understand uh, that this death is not a temporary death, but instead this is, uh, sin is longing to bring us into the second death, right? An eternal death. So the first, that's the first thing we have to realize. So we have to realize that sin is our enemy and that eternity is at stake. Second, he says, we must be acquainted with the ways, wiles, methods, advantages, and occasions of its success. And it's commonly been said, the first rule of war is to know your enemy. And that is certainly true of spiritual warfare as well. At the end of last year, we went through Ephesians chapter 6 um, and the, 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 the portion in there, um, uh, verse ten, verses uh, 10 through the end, uh, where Paul um, gives to us the the armor of god and and um and and how christians are supposed to wage spiritual warfare right and right in the middle of there uh verse 12 um that's one of the uh what paul goes into is we wrestle not against flesh and blood right but against authorities and rulers and uh the 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 spiritual forces of darkness in heavenly places right the cosmic uh powers of, of of evil over this present darkness right we we need to know who we're fighting against, right? We have to know, and, and not only just know who we're fighting against, to know that, that the real wrestle, the real struggle is not with the flesh and blood around us, right? Not with other people primarily, but instead uh, our, real, our real war is against, is against these spiritual forces and is against the evil that is lurking within our own hearts, right? And then we need to know what the, what the, what the methods and attacks and the, and the ways of sin and Satan against us. And so um, a very penetrating study uh, on this topic um, is the book by Thomas Brooks, uh, another Puritan called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. Um, and so um, hopefully at some point that'll be a book that we can, um, that we can discuss as well in reading together, though it is much longer than, um, than, uh, than either this book, The Mortification of Sin, or um, Heaven Taken by Storm that we did uh, last year. So th- third, he tells us that we must also daily attack our sins with the directives that will be discussed in the coming chapters, right? So remember we said that um, in, the, in the next coming chapters, then he'll give us um, some specific directions, right, of how, how um, of how of how we are to go about the practice of mortifying and um, and in order to to fight against our sin to be a constant fight and contending against our sin we should do it daily and I love the quote that he gives there in that point where he says such a one never thinks his lust dead because it is quiet but labors still to give it new wounds new blows every day right and so um, I pray that we would, uh, that we would um, not think that our sins are dead just because they're quiet but instead we would be on the offensive against them that we would be fighting at uh, fighting against them making sure that they uh, that if even if they look dead making sure they stay dead and then the th- third and last point mortification consists in success frequent success against any lust is another part and evidence of mortification. Now again, Owen reminds us that while we cannot expect complete eradication eradication of sin, it should be the goal, right? 
That, that should be what we strive for. We should be striving to completely remove all of our sin. We need to aim at killing sin at its root, not just toiling away at the fruit or branches, right? But in order to do that, Owen points out that one of the things we must do is we have to cultivate the virtues. We have to cultivate the spiritual disciplines. We have to cultivate the graces that God has given to us, right? We must, we must plant virtues that choke out the vices in our lives, right? And so he uh, points this out on page 68 by saying, so by the implanting and growth of humility is pride weakened, right? Passion by patience, uncleanness by purity of mind and conscience, love of this world by heavenly mindedness. So in other words, if we're, if we're struggling with a particular sin, we're struggling with a particular with a particular vice, then what's the answer? The answer is to, in God's word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is to pray and cultivate its, 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 its opposing virtue, right? If we're wrestling with pride, then we should seek to cultivate humility, right? And if we're wrestling with passion, we, could seek, we should seek to cultivate patience. If we're struggling with uncleanness, then we should, rest, that we should struggle, uh, wrestle to cultivate purity of mind. And if we love this world, as Owen says, then we should struggle to cultivate heavenly mindedness, that we would be conformed to the image and the pattern of God, right? And so, again, this is just as he said last chapter, um, this doesn't mean that we kill sin once and for all in this life. That won't happen. That's not That's not an, a realistic expectation, right? Um, we will not become perfect in this life. But mortification should have success. There should be success and it should be, and, and as we talked about in the first point, right? There, as we continue to mortify sin, it should get weaker. It should, it should get closer and closer to dying, right? So that, so that hopefully the successes increase, right? We begin to see, we begin to see a, a pattern to where um, the victories over, over sin uh, get, get more frequent, not less frequent over time, right? Um, so there should be a, there should be a, a progress. There should be a, a moving forward against our sin. And so that is what Owen gives to us um, in this chapter. Next week, he'll um, move on to um, to some general directions that he has for us about uh, mortification before moving into, for the remainder of the book, into um, specific directions, specific advice on how to mortify sin. And so, um, with all these things of this chapter in mind, let us therefore be a people who habitually weaken our sin, who fight against it with all of our strength and who trust the spirit ultimately to grant us the victory grace and peace.